That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Creative for Experience podcast. This is episode number 26. And as you know, you can hear in the background, I got a little Prince playing right now. Come on. We party like it's 1999. Although it's year 2020 coming up because this podcast is coming out right before the new year. And I've got on the show today the second part of the Chris Harder podcast. Listen, if you don't know for what the, the his podcast, For the Love of Money, is, you have to go subscribe. He's amazing. I've got a chance to track through him this whole year, be a part of a small group mastermind with him with Lewis Howes, and really get to know the heartbeat behind for what the love of money is. When good people make good money, great things can happen. And I love this man so much. I'm excited for you to listen to part two. If you didn't listen to part one, shame on you. Slap on the wrist. We're going back. You need to flip it back to episode number 25. Episode number 25. Episode number 25. Abby's sitting next to me. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm just excited because the new year is upon us and we have a great podcast for you to listen to. I hope, I hope, I hope if you like this, you would share it. You know how this works. All the things that I'm supposed to say, but I hope you really take action. Is listen, if you would share this podcast, if something in this inspires you, if you take a screenshot, share it on the grams and other places, let folks know you're listening to it, I would be so thankful. Creative for Experience is all about this idea. We can jump in to people's experiences and find out ways we can help make our story a better story. So, I hope you enjoy episode number 26 of the Creative for Experience podcast with Mr. Chris Harder. Okay, so I want to ask you an extension of that question. Talk to me a little bit more about you know culture and team building. So many people listening are solopreneurs and small team entrepreneurs, where you know they've got a brand and they're hiring a 1099 uh, website builder over here and a 1099 graphic artist over there, and you know maybe someone to edit their podcast over. So you know they got this tiny little team and it's kind of a part time team, but they're consistent. Here's my question: How soon is too soon? to start defining your culture and building a better team than you're doing right now. At the moment you decide that you have something you're going to bring to the marketplace, whether it's a service, whether it's a product, something you are going to exchange do- exchange dollars for them, you doing something for them is when you really need to consider what your culture is. And if people don't know what they stand for, they'll fall for anything. And so I, I take a lot of different brands and, and look at, how they built a really, really strong foundation first, and then they grew from it. So to all the solopreneurs out there and the people that um, are grinding to make that you know, first six figures, I remember that feeling when, when my business went over six figures for the first time. And I remember when we broke the you know, half a million mark and then the million mark. And, and all those are just zeros you add to the end of the bottom line. Your P&L statements looks a little bit bigger. But when I went back to it, for me, the thing that has held strong is if you don't know your vision, your value, your core strategies from the get, you're just going to be growing a hundred different directions. Yeah, you're not going to correct it later once you're busier, right? There's no, there's no way you're going to have to let people go and change directions, or have you know, like a come to Jesus moment, like, hey, I, I realize we haven't done this, we need to do this. So even which if is you're awkward, a small team, yeah, very, very much is. So even if you have a super duper small team and just a couple people are a part of it, they want to be a part of something bigger. And so one of the very first things we did at our office at Elevate is we put on our wall, our vision. We exist to help people and organizations live and lead at a higher level. That has been our phrase from the very beginning, from our very first office, our very first team member, is we want to figure out how can we help people and organizations live and lead at a higher level. And that's just stuck. We've got a giant event we're producing on Sunday, and that is the mantra. 
all right, we're going to go down and help Auburn University live and lead at a higher level. We've got a, a thousand college freshmen that are coming into this massive event. How can we begin that conversation there? And then when I get one-on-one with somebody in my office or a brand new hire we bring on, that is the same exact mantra. And it served me well, but it wasn't until somebody got in my face saying, hey, if you don't know what, you're sta- if you, don't know what you stand for, if you don't know um, where you're headed, then nobody's going to follow you. You're going to look around and there's going to be a bunch of people running in different directions. So I would say the earlier, the better. But don't feel guilty if you haven't. If you're listening to this and you have a small company and you've kind of sucked at your like vision and values, that's why I created the book Culture Reconstructed. The RE in the beginning of it is, is going back to the basics of what are those building blocks? What are some things that I can do to bring the conversation around to my team? And then trust happens and growth happens. That is awesome. So if you're a solopreneur, grabbing Culture Reconstructed is like a must-do. Yes, I I would love that. I mean, for me, Chris, you know this, when you produce a piece of content, you realize that somebody can absorb and actually get better. It is a high like no other. Mm. It's your fast foundations. When you watch somebody as a solopreneur in your mastermind, you watch them get a concept and go, holy crap, I can actually take this and go make more money and impact more people. It's everything. So I feel that way. It is a, it is a heart level work. This book I've kind of laid out my entire heart, my team has worked really hard on it. So we're really proud. What's one of the best lessons in there? The best lesson in there, um, the best lesson in the, the writing of the book is it takes a lot longer to write a book than you think. It does. <laughs> I meant in the book, I meant for the readers, but that is a true lesson. Oh my God. I watched yeah. Lori go through that and it was grueling. Everyone thinks that writing a book is this romantic thing. Like you're going to wake up and the pages are going to flow and your publisher is going to help you get it out there. And it's going to be the best time of your life. And it's the opposite of all that. Like you have to wake up and just sit yourself in the chair, even when you're not creative and go through the reps. And some days it's nothing. Many days it's nothing. And then your publisher doesn't do squat and you got to find a way to get in people's hands. And everything about a book is a beast and you do it because you love the message and you know it has to get out there. And I have such greater respect for books and I see authors that have actually taken that to get there. I have a deeper respect when I grab one going, hey, they put their heart and soul in this. So I need to spend time reading it. So I appreciate that. But for me, chapter one, I'll just tell you that my, my favorite concept, there's a quote right there in the very first chapter. It's from Helen Keller that says, alone, we can do so little together. We can do so much. And the concept is just the word gather. And I think whenever you get your team together in the same room, and Chris, I know that you, you think for your team and do this well. And I know other people that are entrepreneurs are listening, probably do this, but you haven't quite thought about this grid. I think about a Venn diagram, which is just three different circles that coincide right there in the middle. And you've got to think about three things for your team. You got to think about their mind. You got to think about their heart and you got to think about their being. Let me break that down. Their mind, you need to give them data, facts, information, things that their mind can take hold of that they know what's happening, what's happening next. So in your business, what are the things you're appealing to their mind? And then you've got to appeal to their heart. What's motivating them? Why are they still working there? What are they all about? And then their being, are you really taking care of where do they park when they go to the event? Um, what time are they expected to be at work? What is the 401k? If I'm a 1099, when do they get paid? Am I honoring by that? So you're thinking about their being. So that's my favorite concept. And it's a fairly easy one. But when you break it down, you can see that people that have all mind and being, and they're not thinking for their team members' hearts, you're going to have a very demotivated team. If you have heart and being, you're going to have a motivated folks. So they don't know anything. They don't know what's coming up next. So that beautiful balance between that Venn diagram is the thing that I think is going to sell this book the most and what's going to be the people's favorite concept. Mm, That's awesome. Culture reconstructed. When's it available? So we're coming out with it on October the 15th, which is also my birthday. So uh, excited about that. It's coming out, coming out real soon. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Thank you so much. I love it. 
But I want to ask you another question. You, you really excel at helping people put on better, more interesting events. This is something I've heard you talk a lot about. And here's why I want to ask it of you. I believe the biggest trend of 2020 in the influencer space, the solopreneur space, the podcaster space, the individual brand space, I believe the biggest trend in 2020 is going to be everybody with their own events. We're already seeing it. Yep. So talk to me. How do you take an event from good? Because listen, when it's a crowded space, good is not good enough. To absolutely epic, like raving fans already bought a ticket to the next one, can't stop telling their friends about it. What, what are those differences when you're putting on an event? So our process at Elevate, and I think this will serve the listeners, if you're putting on a live event or you've seen one, you'll start to recognize these patterns. Our process is listen, design, produce. Listen, design, produce. If you can begin with your ears to really lean into not just who's going to be on stage, but who's actually in the audience, why are they there? What are they listening for? Um, what are you making them feel like? If you could really spend a lot of time listening, like my favorite question I ask clients before we work with them is, if you're producing a live event, I was actually um, was voice noting Ed Milet back and forth after um, the time together there at the Summit of Greatness. And I was telling them about our events, what we do. And I said, the greatest question I can ask you is when somebody gets in their car or a train or a jet or whatever, however they leave your event and they crank that puppy up and they start leaving your event, what do you want them to be thinking? Or what do you want them to be feeling? You've got to answer that question. You've got to know when they leave your event, what do you want them to be thinking and feeling? And so I spend a lot of time listening on the front end. And I do believe the trend. It's really fun to watch Lori dive into this from the event space as well, is that if you can gather your people, your tribe in the same room, it is incredible momentum. And we've seen this throughout decades and hundreds of years of human existence of seeing that when you gather people together on a common cause and you can give them something worth telling about, you don't have to tell them a hashtag. I tell my clients, if we have to print your hashtag on a piece of paper or put it up on the screen, people don't like your event. Oh, there should be a crowdsourced hashtag that starts without you saying anything. Wow. If you're doing it right. Yeah. Because people want, people want to post it. And what's a hashtag? I don't even care. I'm going to make my own up because this was dope, right? Now, do I think we should geotrack and make sure we know and all that? Yeah, but man, see how many crowdsourced hashtags at your event and how many stories are being told, not just cool posts with celebrities. If that happens, and you got a dope event. So listen part, designing part, do something different. Do something shocking. Do something others won't do. And so one of our strategies at Elevate is to keep it fresh. And so I'm more interested of what Justin Timberlake and Meek Mill are doing as rap and pop mixes. I'm more interested of how um, Taylor Swift is marketing her new concerts. I'm more interested in the brand new toy my kid brings home from second grade and how that might interact. So paying attention to different places that others aren't paying attention to in the event space and then you bring it in and the crowd goes, holy crap, I can't believe you were so thoughtful that you brought that here. That's produce or that's um, design. And then from a producing standpoint, I do not like putting up with microphones that don't work. I don't like putting up with projectors and PowerPoints and things that don't work. That stuff needs to be tested. So I'm a stickler when it comes to if you're going to put on something awesome, there needs to be a spirit of excellence. I'd rather do 50% less technical stuff and make sure what you do is awesome because those things should just flow. These days, we're competing with Disney World and everywhere else. You need to have your event simple, clean, and technically savvy where it doesn't distract from what's actually happening there. So that's just some of my tips that I've seen in the market. We'll do 350 events this year, which is crazy. Um, some massive events, some smaller events, and every single one of them, we're thinking through, listen, design, produce. Dude, I couldn't agree with you more. Like To all these people listening, they're going to end up putting on an event this year. Billy's 
absolutely spot on. I cannot stand when the lighting is off. And lighting is not hard if you prepare ahead of time to get right. I cannot stand when the sound is off. I cannot stand when you get your lanyard and it's this little junky cheap thing. Or I cannot stand when your handouts are uh, with faded ink on cheap paper. Like, I know you're trying to turn a profit, but you shouldn't look at your event as a massive profit center. You should look at it as the tangible representation of your brand which will cause you to make a profit in different areas of your brand. So this is where you need to spend extra on the lanyards, on the lighting, on the sound, on the check-in experience, on the music, on your workbooks. Always go for first class. Don't like do some ridiculous budget where you're losing all your money and losing your tail. That's not what I'm advocating. But what I am saying is go ahead and step it up on the things that matter. People won't know quite why they're enjoying your event so much. They won't know that it's that the workbook feels so good in their hand or that the lighting makes them feel really great or the venue that you you chose was open and airy. They're not going to be able to like explain it in detail, but they're going to walk away saying, that was epic. All my friends have to go. Well, my second book, which is coming out uh, next year, is called Created for Experience, the same title as my podcast. And the whole premise of the book, and you'll you'll love this based on what you just said, is another Venn diagram. As you can tell, I live my life in <laughs> This Venn diagram is energy, community, connection. Every event has to have it. So you got to figure out what the appropriate amount of energy is for your personality. How are you taking the room on an emotional journey? What kind of story are you telling that's energy? Community is how are you building moments where your people at your event can connect with each other? That's that's what community is. It's, it's moments where they can pause your directing conversation and the last one is connection. That's connecting to what's happening on stage. Are they connected to your message? So energy, what are you building in the room? Community, connecting with each other. And then connection is how are they connecting to your message? So everybody puts on an event. You have to consider every moment of your event as one of those three. And if you're doing it right, all three are happening simultaneously. Oh, my God. I love it. I want to switch modes quick because you and I both share an ethos for generosity and just plain old doing good. What causes me the most to you right now? So what's really fun at Elevate is we designate a certain amount of money um, and put it aside and let our team members decide where that money goes. And we have uh, four different places where money is going. And we also put our time in those places as well. And so I had to figure out what does Elevate really want to be about and how are we one? Human trafficking is one of my great passions. How do we end that uh, stupid ass thing on the planet? How do we do that? How do we get more instruments in kids' hands at schools that can't afford instruments? How do we figure out how to solve this water crisis and how do we build more schools? Those are, those are four things that I'm passionate about. Pencils of Promise is a big part of what we give to uh, Charity Water, just making sure that I love the way they steward what they're doing. Um, we've got a couple different ones. The End It Movement is one that I love. It's Passion City Church here in Atlanta. They do a wonderful job. And then another one, the name is slipping by me right now, but it's an organization in Atlanta that gives instruments to kids that don't have them. So those are the four that mean the most to me and also figure out how I can give my time to those as well. Is something I'm figuring out. But once we become, you know, a multi-million dollar organization, eventually a billion dollar organization, I can't wait to have that same kind of heart because, you know, this generosity is awesome. Yeah. And it starts early, right? Like it starts when you're making a hundred dollars, not when you're making a hundred million. Totally. And you know, this Chris already is, is it's tough to peel that out when you know that that extra 
that extra amount of money you could spend towards marketing or Facebook ads or whatever. But man, there's something special when you give towards things and then your heart goes there. And I love the idea in the Bible that says where my money goes, my heart goes also. And I just believe that where my money's heading, that's where my heart's going too. And so where's my money going right now? So I, for the listeners, I would just ask yourself, where, where are your dollars going? Because your heart is surely to follow. That is so cool. Okay, I've got to push you a little bit more on this for information because this is brilliant. Everybody should adopt this model. Your team decides where the money that your company sets aside to give to philanthropic um, efforts, your team votes on where it goes? So we pick out those four organizations. So it's not off the rails where there's just anyone. We pick those four and the team gets to vote on where that money goes. That's really cool. That must really help build um, full circle to, to where we started. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a quote. My favorite quote, people support what they help create. Ooh, that is so good. Right? I mean, if, if I'm co-creating in this process of giving away or creating something new, people support what they help create. And I understand solopreneurs and entrepreneurs with a small team. I know that's hard because you can't always have consensus on everything. There's times when you have to get your team on board with something they don't necessarily want to do. But for me, I figure out how can I bring as much consensus as I can. And this is hard. This is work. Whenever you have a team and you start building a culture, it sounds cool and sexy to you know have a happy hour or have the company picnic or whatever. But this gets down into the grind of how am I going to include my team members in the decisions that mean the most? And if I can co-create, they're just going to have more buy-in. Yeah, here's my tip for everybody. A, a company day of volunteering will go way further than a company picnic if you have to choose yeah. between the two. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. It really does. I love it. So what's next for you guys? So we've got a lot of really fun things coming up. You know, the book launch is big next month. I'm just redoing my website, billybooey.com. We've got uh, a weekly newsletter called the Keep It Fresh Chronicle. Um, you go to keepitfresh.vip as a spot. So we're just trying to pump out as much positive content as possible from a leadership perspective. And then from a sales perspective, the market is pivoting in a lot of different ways. As you mentioned, a lot of people are putting on events, not just companies. And so I'm figuring out how to crack the code to help as many entrepreneurs that are putting on events do their thing because that will be my my specialty so you know in the sales process chris you know is sometimes an ad works and then algorithms change and then sometimes organic reach works and then it doesn't quite get to your right avatar so for me i'm in the process of rediscovering the strategy of how i tell a better story and get to that right person but as jim collins said in good to great which is my favorite business book of all time by the way <laughs> um the simple concept of preserve the core and stimulate process progress does not change so you know, preserving the core, serving our clients really, really well. I'm very proud of the client list that we have and the things that we do, but also what are the new clients? How do we stimulate progress? So those are just a couple of things we're working on. How about yeah. you guys? What are you guys up to? I mean, it's almost related to what you're doing. They almost go hand in hand. We're going to have to collaborate. So, you know, Lori, my wife, she launched this train the trainer. It's a five day train the trainer called event love and it's L U V event yeah. L U V event love. And it is literally training people how to build, run, execute, sell out, and then resell out profitable events. They're going to be Love speaking it. on stage there. They're going to be getting feedback. They're going to be learning the, uh, how to budget out an event, like how you know where to spend the money, where not to, what to do when sales aren't going the way you want. I mean, they are, we're lifting the curtain on everything that we do when it comes to events because quite honestly, we make a ton of money and very, a lot of profit on events, and most people don't. Most people yep. don't find a way to profit on events, and we've just learned the formula to, to doing that. So that's what's pretty exciting for us. We're going to have to find a way to collaborate. Offline, we'll have to talk because I'm guessing there's some synchronicity in there where either yeah. you can help teach or, or you know, add value and vice versa, especially because are you moving into if, – if there's a solopreneur 
listening right now and they put on an event for, let's say 250 people. Here's the most common event I see out there right now. 250 people, solopreneur. Um, they've got a podcast or YouTube or an Instagram or something like that. And they bring in a few guest speakers and they usually spend, I don't know, 50,000 bucks worth of a budget putting this thing together. Is that too small of an event for you guys to advise on? So we have two things that I'll mention. One is we have the Elevate Flight Plan, which is all my years of experience plus our teams putting together, thus the cheeky word, Elevate Flight Plan, is how do we help your event soar? How do we help it fly? And so that's where we spend a lot of time consulting. If you have an event like you mentioned, most people hire us for a half day or full day to consult with them to start with all the questions you should be asking. How do you create your run of show? How do you have the ligaments between the bones and the structure? What speaker comes on when? All, all the those parts of it. And then typically what happens when we start with a consulting conversation, we end up being the host or the MC from it. That's where I cut my teeth is I'm a professional MC. I love coming in and getting the crowd connected and engaged and putting the ball on the tee for the entrepreneur that's the speaker. And so most of the time it's consulting that leads to MCing. And then if the budget's right and the time's right, we would lead to helping with the stage, lighting, sound, production, all those things. But I love starting with just the consulting side. So yeah, it would work. And then we have companies and um, conferences that hire us. We do a full experience audit. So we have a 12-point experience audit, kind of like you take your car in to get it get it checked out, you know, once every 50,000 miles or longer if you're me. Um, <laughs> get, your car, get your car checked out. Same thing with us is we would come in and actually go to your event and be able to give you at the end of it a full diagnostic of things that we saw, ways to improve it for next time. So those are two things that we do on Ooh, smaller things. That's pretty valuable. Yeah. I didn't know you do that. It's fun. I, I love it because I get to really see from an outsider's perspective, but also if especially if I know the heart of the person putting it on in the group and something they might think that hits the nail on the head, I can give them a couple ideas of how they could do it next time and add a wrinkle or add something different to it. You know, my favorite book growing up was Curious George. <laughs> and he would always break stuff and the man in the yellow hat would sort of reel him back in. So I kind of play the, the curious George and ask a lot of what ifs, um, which that, you know, if there's a listener that has an event that would like an experience audit, that's, that's one of my favorite things. Cause I get to really help people make their idea come to life. So who plays the man in the yellow hat? You're the man, in the yellow hat for me is, is my team in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, Katie, who is our chief of staff, also my assistant, she does a wonderful job of, just making sure that what we say can happen can actually happen. Oh. And I have an incredible team of executors that actually do it. And they're creative as well. Not to say I'm the only creative because they are incredible at that. But I have people on my team that sort of reel in the, the directions I'm going in and can actually go do it. Man, where would we be without our teams? Oh, my goodness. I, I, <laughs> I would not be here. I'll just say that. Let me ask you this. There's a signature question I ask everybody towards the end of, of my podcast. I'm really curious to get your answer on this. And it's this. Give me a reason why. People should be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and wealth. Success and wealth is the key indicator of whether your product, your service, your passion is really true and on point. I believe that everybody on the planet should pursue as much as they possibly can to add as much value, make as much money as they possibly can, give as much away as they can, and serve their communities in a better way. Because listen... You know this, the, the name of your podcast is very, it's, it's one of my passions. I spoke at the University of Georgia on Monday and their young entrepreneur group that they had there. And I really challenged them, hey, raise your hand up high if you want to make a lot of money. And they were like afraid. I said, no, for real, elbow above your ear, kind of raise your hand. I said, I know that for me, being a Bible reader, that the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Mm -hmm. Like 
money itself is awesome. It's just a tool to be able to do awesome things on the earth. So for me, I love watching people that are confident enough in their answer and know that their motive is to make a lot of money and then their heart is pure. Cause you've met a lot of shitheads that like they make a lot of money and they're just jerks, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about, but man, people that make a lot of money and do good things with it, man, we can do some serious damage. Man, I love that answer. I love it. And it's just a crazy example of, of where we are in society right now, that when you say to an entire auditorium, raise your hand, if you want to make a lot of money, that they have enough shame where they don't raise their hand, even though intuitively that hand wants to fly up in the air. It's sad. It's crazy. We should not be shamed out of living a better life and and gathering this tool that can help yourself and other people. So folks that are listening in, where can they connect with you and what are you up to next? I know I know our time is coming to a close and this has been an amazing conversation, but where should folks connect with you and, and what steps should they take to hear about what's going on? Yeah, I've loved my chat with you so far. So listen, you can find me on Instagram at Chris W. Harder. It's the only platform I'm hanging out on these days. Or of course, my podcast at fortheloveofmoney.com. And really, I mean, what I'm most excited about right now is our masterminds. You know, we've got the entry level one where it's uh, for earners who are $499,000 and down. That's called Fast Foundations. You can find that at fastfoundations.com. And then we've got our elite level one, which the threshold is a half a million and up, but most people are in there are a million, two million, three million. And you can find that one at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm telling you to wake up and be able to have your hands in all of these people's businesses and help move the needle on those things. It's probably the best feeling I've had in my entire 41 years worth of working and and being on this planet. I love it. Give me one thing I didn't ask you. One thing that you would say to the listeners that is a Chris Harder, get fired up, closing statement. I want you to go do this thing, wherever you want to take it. I want to hear it. Mm, I love that. You know what comes up for me right now? I want everybody to check in real quick with your ego because I'm a big believer that ego is your greatest overhead. And, And this is not me judging. This is me talking about my own journey. Like ego will cost you more than anything else on this planet. It'll cost you money in the sense that you're spending on things you shouldn't so you can't invest it where you should. It'll cause you to speak up when you shouldn't. And it'll do the inverse sometimes. It'll cause you to not speak up when you should and therefore it's cost you opportunity. I'm telling you, ego is your greatest overhead, not your rent, not your Facebook ads, not your team, not your anything. When you learn to mitigate ego, everything else becomes so much more efficient and affordable in your life. And that is when your business takes off. Yes, sir. Come on. Gosh, ego is your greatest overhead. That's fantastic. Well, it's been a joy to be on with you, man. Absolutely, it. man. Likewise. We get, hey, we got to do this again. This flew by so quick. We should do this maybe every six months or so. I'm in, my friend. I'm in. Well, my, my final take for you, and I just put out a video on this called How to Live a Life with No Regrets, is you know this by being a football fan, is in the fourth quarter, people hold up that their four fingers, basically indicating it's the fourth quarter. And I believe how to live a life without regrets is viewing every quarter as if it's the fourth quarter. I mean, hold up that four, whether it's the first, the second, the third, because you never know where the moment's going to end. And I hope that uh, people on this podcast will listen, would do that same thing, and they would get after it, man. I appreciate mm, you. I love it. Where can they find you, brother? So the best place to find me is keepitfresh.vip. That is the weekly updates of things that are happening. Uh, the podcast is created for experience. Just go check it out on all the places where podcasts hang out. And of course, on the grams, that's where I hang out most too, is uh, Billy Bowie, B-O-U-G-H-E-Y. 
and I would love to link up with you and connect there. Love it, man. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for doing the uh, face-off with me. I love this format. You got it, my friend. We'll chat soon. Chat soon. I hope you enjoyed episode 26. I'm so inspired by Chris. I hope you were as well. Share the podcast. And those of you that are listening and are not subscribed, I'm watching. (laughs) Just kidding. I hope you subscribe. And I hope that 2020 is the best year yet. Let's get it. Thanks for stopping by.